I'll be your host for today. My name is Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger. If you are new, thanks for joining. If you've been around for a while, all we ask is that you share this podcast with your squad, unless all three of them are campers. Our Discord is growing, and it's thanks to you all. We appreciate you. Let's get into it. With me today, we've got the One Heart, a.k.a. Kev. Yo, what's up, man? Griffalicious, a.k.a. Griff. What's good, brother? Today, gentlemen, we are talking about the monster update that went live last week. Lots of exciting stuff in there. But before we get deep into the new patch, we're going to talk about April Fools, aka Patch 27A. We'll hit the rumor mill with some data mine goodness that may actually be real. After that, we'll discuss our reactions to the real patch. We're going to touch on some interesting and awesome tools available to the PUBG community and some of the cool stories that are resulting from them, we're also going to dig into an interesting observation about PUBG from a large, perhaps polarizing, Battle Royale streamer. And that observation is also going to lead us into our tactical talk, which I'm going to leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger. If you were paying attention to the intro, you may have an idea what it is. And lastly, we're going to finish this one off with some interesting, perhaps alarming, research from our science director. All right, guys, so what's going on? Before we jump into this, Kev, how you been? It's been a little over a week since we recorded. What's going on? Not much, man. I'm busy as hell at work, but I've been trying to sneak in some time on the new patch, get handles, uh, handle on some of these guns. I'm liking the M16 again, that's for sure. Nice, man. Griff, what about you? Really just been the same old stuff every week. Uh, I wake up, I go to work, I make a one very mediocre video. And I obsess over its uh, success. And then I do it all over again the next week. Fun fact, though, I do have a baby that's going to be coming here soon. So we are on borrowed time, waiting any day now for the lady to pop and going to be having my second daughter. So, yeah, that's probably about the most exciting thing that's happening to me. Damn, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. Now, you know, even roaches have kids. So any video series to announce about the new kid? Nope. I don't. Nothing to announce just yet. But I will be uh, doing a channel update on my YouTube channel here pretty soon that uh, hopefully will explain a few things and kind of let everybody know what's, what I'm up to. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Awesome. As far as me, I've been playing a lot of PUBG, but we're going to get into that later. We're going to go a little backwards, uh, so we're going to switch it up and start with the rumor mill. Kev, tell me about the potential leaks that you discovered. Yeah, so I was just trying to get prepped and make sure I got all the like current events that were up, and I was pulling in patch 27A, which was hilarious. And I actually saw something that might be real. It was an apology for all of the fake things, but there was some real stuff in there that they wanted to go over. Uh, this was from Player IGN. So the biggest thing that popped out to me right away was the amphibious armored vehicle, a BRDM. Mm. I'm not going to try and say that. It's some big Russian word. But uh, it's a four-wheeled amphibious vehicle, which is lightly armored, 
by today's standards, and uh, it would probably replace the U.S. from the airdrop. So before you get too deep into this, in the video, this guy explained that he kind of peppered in some fake stuff with some potentially real stuff, and he shows in the video, which of course will be linked, all of the data mined evidence, as it were, that leads us to believe that these might actually be real. So there's still rumors, but that's what we're talking about here. Juicy for sure. Yeah, so that could be really fun because, you know, the Armand USD is pretty cool, but like, you know, you can't get out the windows. Maybe we'll be able to hang out the top of this thing. It's kind of like a tanked boat type of looking concept. Uh, so that could be really fun. Then there might be these zombies coming in possibly something to do with a Halloween event. That would be sweet. I'm hoping it's not in the regular game at any point, but, you know, if this is some sort of training mode thing, it could be pretty cool. You know, you actually have live targets to shoot. You get a count. Helps you get the guns down on moving targets. Hopefully they get the running done pretty well so that it's pretty sporadic. Well, I know that they used to have that on the custom servers. Like, that was a game variant that you could actually make, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. So maybe it has something to do with that. Could be. So uh, some other stuff from this data mined stuff is going to be some streamer skins that are confirmed. So it looks like Wacky Jackie's going to get a VSS. Yeah. Choco Taco's finally going to get some skins. They've been trolling him for a while. And J9 and Shroud appear to also be on the list. There's Weird. Also... They don't even play this game anymore. Yeah, they don't care at all. But it makes everyone money, right? Uh, word on the street is Ashik is getting a uh, crossbow skin. Interesting. That's from his mouth so he kind of showed it off briefly the other day and then he quickly took it away and got his uh potato in boot camp and no it was actually uh it was on his discord i just happened to be hanging out in his uh sub only chat you know because <laughs> mm-hmm. somebody gifted me a sub i didn't i didn't pay for it but anyway yeah he was posting some pictures or whatever and uh he showed off the crossbow for like half second and if you didn't see it then you didn't see it so but supposedly that's coming in a few months. Word on the street. We've not to talk about this. Are we under NDA? Hot scoops. No, I, he didn't say shit, so I'm not, I don't care. So other than that, there's these gun keychains, kind of look like the keychains from Rainbow Six. So those mm. could be pretty cool. And uh, some RTX optimizations for any of you with the ray tracing cards. And then best of all was something about quick join with map preference. So if you just want to do quick join, but you say, you know, I really do like Miramar, and everyone says that, there's actually a chance you might get it. That's how I'm reading into it. Yeah, so the data mined piece on this actually said, pick at least one map in hmm. your preference. Okay. That's not bad. I mean, so. it's it's a step in the right direction. It's weird, because for the longest time, everybody wanted map selection, and then now that it's here everybody's crying to take it away. So it's like, you can't win for losing, and there's no right decision that PUBG Corp can make at this point. There's just way too many queues across, you know, so many regions and everything. It's just Mm -hmm. nuts. You can't keep that sustainable. Right. We have nearly 700,000 people playing in the last, you know, 15 hours or something like that on Steam charts, but that's not enough when you start splitting them and people go to work. No. Right. So I think all of this stuff is really cool. The one that keeps jumping out, and I'm looking at the picture of it right now, the amphibious vehicle you were talking about, Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting here thinking about it like, okay, which map would this affect the most? All of them. 
I think it would, right? It would affect him having an amphibious vehicle. But I'm sitting here thinking about Sandhawk. There's so many engagements at those little bridges when there's like a northwest circle or one that hard shifts across a river. Right. It's super interesting to me that there might be a good way to cross that without knowing those crazy motorcycle jumps and other things like that. Well, let me put this out here real quick. Let's uh, let's talk about the effectiveness of this thing on Aaron Gell and competitive play. Oh, I didn't even think about competitive play. Yeah, what does a vehicle like that do on Aaron Gell to competitive play? I mean, it, it it's going to change the meta. Probably doesn't get allowed. <laughs> I mean, something, right? Like, if, if you had that, that's OP. Like, I don't know. Like, your ability to rotate on and across big sections of the map, especially if it's a, a military circle or something like that. I've watched games where guys actually swam across the entire canal just to get to the other side because it was the best play. And imagine if you just didn't have to. Like, I'll just take this vehicle that can go land to sea to land again. That'd be insane. I, I, I would be curious to see what the competitive community thought about the inclusion of a vehicle like this. Now, the one thing I do want to bring up is that, I mean, this is just from Wikipedia, but... It says that it's a very lightly armored vehicle for like today's standards. So I'm assuming it would be like maybe a little bit faster than the van from Miramar hmm. and maybe about the same speed on on the water. But yeah, highly useful, probably pretty good resistance to shots, but a full team could still probably take it out pretty easily. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point. Like if it was slow, slightly armored, so like the... Like maybe a, a middle ground between the armored UAZ and then like just a regular UAZ, like somewhere between that. But it again, like it ran as slow as the the Volkswagen bus mm-hmm. in the water. Like I think that would be a pretty decent balance, just because like you could totally shit on that thing in the water if you had a decent shot. Like no big yeah. Would breath become an issue though? I mean, I know we're digging deep in here on something that may or may not be getting added to the game, but I think it's an interesting vehicle. Well, I'm thinking the transition speed can't be fast. Like there's there's got to be a way to balance it so they can't just like skip across the water, right? Like you're going to hit the water and slow down. Yeah, yeah, it would it would it would drive just like a boat. Like you wouldn't have to worry about holding your breath. It doesn't go underwater. It just skims oh, across the top of it. I was thinking it like drove across the bottom. No, 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 no. No, that doesn't exist today. Let alone wow. way back in the Hold day. Hold on, dude. can we we can we have a moment to talk about like <laughs> what, what Mike's brain just did? <laughs> That's the funniest <laughs> shit. Gotta watch some more documentaries and shit, dude. Like, Fuck. no disrespect because it's 2019, <laughs> but what a blonde moment. If it drives underwater, can they hold their breath? I was worried about them. <laughs> That's hilarious. Get the little scuba mask, you know? Everybody gets one oxygen tank. Instead of ga- gas tanks, you get ox- oxygen tanks. Well, that's why I was worried about how fast it was, because that thing would have to cruise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. That's great. Car become boat, okay? Great job, Brain. We're owning. Oh, man, that's really good. Well, speaking of things that are funny and ridiculous and not true, we did have the April Fool's patch drop a few days ago. And while we're on the topic... I hope that we did not alarm anyone with our transition tweet from the winner-winner Fortnite podcast. We wouldn't do that to you. 
we would not do that to ourselves. And we uh, definitely could not wait to say April Fool's on that one. So fear not. We're not going anywhere. We like PUBG. We tolerate Fortnite. We're here to stay. PUBG released a patch. It had a bunch of kind of funny meme type things in it. Uh, We've highlighted a few here. If you somehow missed this, it's definitely worth a read because they actually did a pretty good job putting it together. Some of it's halfway believable in the beginning and then it kind of diverts into meme land. Oh, we got to give a shout out real quick to Wacky Jackie and his uh, his prompt uh, video production to get information out about this patch as soon as it is it launched. Yeah, he gave a full full length video on this completely funny and ridiculous patch. Well, and to be honest, I mean, we all know why. It's because they implemented new Wacky Jacky features into the game with this patch. So, of course, they were going to give him the the what's up. But pff, either way, I mean, way to really shit on the other content creators, PUBG. <laughs> you know, God. I see some, uh, some loathing there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't give a shit about me. Or us. Or anybody other than Wacky Jacky. To be fair, nobody's put in the same amount of time that Wacky has, so he uh, he's earned it. Probably earned it, yeah. All right, let's get into this uh, this fake patch here. What are your thoughts on the new map? The moon. <gasps> Here's my thoughts on the moon. What it makes me want is modding. I want them to stick to what they said in the very beginning, that Brandon Green, although he's no longer in the position he was in, loves the modding community, Because while this seems ridiculous in the current state of the game, I'm reminded of the old Halo map, Hang 'em High, on low gravity, Uh which was one of my favorite maps to play way back on Xbox in the original Halo. So when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's really too bad that it's a meme. Because I actually think having some mods or having some things that are kind of out of left field would be really kind of cool so that's what it made me think of i would love to see some mods that actually let us do low grav or experimentation like that it's weird like i want this game to have modding but i also don't want it to ruin the integrity of the game if that makes any sense like i i would want the mods to be kind of tasteful like in the way that i guess counter-strike did them for a long time like you could find like modded counter-strike lobbies and stuff like that back in the day that's how i kind of want it but like i don't want the game to just get out of hand yeah, but even then, some of those lobbies got crazy, and no one played them because they were crazy, so they kind of weed themselves out. Yeah, I get that. All right, so going forward, they had a revenge bomb. Drop and destroy when someone went to loot your box. The martyrdom. Yeah, pretty good. Level 4 helmets, giant pot. Easily the most OP thing on the game, dude. Like, the stock pot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love yeah. it because it's like a combination of the level 3 helmet and the frying pan. Right. There's also my favorite thing that they put in there. Wadu Heck is a selectable language option. I wish we could have done that for our April Fool's joke. Like, as a podcast, if that was our April Fool's joke, we release a, a 40 minute interview with Wadu Heck. And the whole time is like, so how did you get into PUBG? And he just, Wadu, 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 Wadu Heck. And just does that the whole time. As long as we get the song at the end, I'm good with it. Wadu Heck. Yeah, we got to get him for an intro. We talked about the level four helmets, which kind of plays into another funny one they did. Players were going to be allowed to cook their own chicken dinner as an alternative way to win. Hell yeah, dude. 
That means you don't have to wait no more. You can just do it on your own terms. Yeah, just hit the grocery store and you're out of there. In and out. And again, there's a bunch of little jabs here. There's some content creator stuff in there. The Wacky Jacky Welcome guys. God damn. Uh, they made fun of Shroud falling off of his scooter. But the the one that I really like, and when you know they're doing it in good fun, is when they poke fun at themselves. Mm-hmm. And they put in there that players can use their new in-game cell phone to play PUBG Mobile while they're camping in a building. And you can put the 15X on a pistol. Yeah, we don't have to get into all of them. Definitely, this is like the patch you want to come and, and check out. There's There's a lot of good stuff in there. I know that patch notes can be super boring and monotonous. I mean, this coming from a guy that's played League of Legends for the past seven years, like those patch notes are arduous to say the least. But this was probably the funnest time I ever had reading patch notes. Oh, and also full auto sniper rifles. So that AWM, one shot, full auto. I forgot about that one. Dude, that, that, okay. Can we use that as an opportunity to transition into the actual patch that happened? Yeah, yeah, we were going to get there anyway, so why don't we, yeah, we'll just jump right into it. Trigger, it's already on the table. Let's go ahead and talk about it. The sniper rifle changes in the actual patch 27. Holy shit. Yes, they increased the multiplier on body shots. Which one is making you that? vocal about it that you needed to transition so quickly did the arm need to be more op i mean it's dumb it's a little dumb to be fair i like that the car 98 and the m24 got a little bit of a buff but the arm is too much dude it's way too much is it too much because there's too many of them or is it too much just because anyone one person having it ever is too much okay so say you get to the top 20 and I'm being generous. Let's say four of those people have level three vests. I mean, that's still well over 75%, around 75% of people that you could one shot with a chest shot. I mean, damn. That gun doesn't, doesn't need to be that strong. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, is if just like you shouldn't, you don't think anyone should ever have it, or do you think they just need to like make it even more rare, like less drops, less flare guns? And just less of a chance for that to be in a crate at all. I don't think it needs to be less rare. Like, I feel like its drop rate is is pretty balanced, to be honest. I feel like they need to find a place where it doesn't completely kill you, but it's close. You know what I mean? Like, you mentioned Halo a minute ago, Trigger. Kind of like the way the plasma pistol takes your shields all the way down and it leaves you vulnerable that one headshot with a pistol could take you out. I think that would be the best place to put the arm. Now, I think a headshot with even a level three helmet should definitely kill you. Headshots are super hard. You earned it. Okay, you earned that kill. Even with a level two to level three vest, I don't think it should one shot you. Level one vest, yes. If you're in the final circle and you have a level one vest, you deserve to die. I'm sorry, I have no sympathy for you. But if you have a level two or a level three vest, especially the level two, it will one shot a level two vest. Now the level three, it doesn't do that all the way. But the problem is, is the level three vest is so rare that your in-game circles become more about 
the RNG of the loot you found up to that point being more significant than it had in previous patches, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. And then even if the sniper doesn't kill you now, you have that longer full effect of the uh, of the first aid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you really noticed a big difference in games? Has it actually affected your gameplay with them lowering the amount of average flare guns in the game thus lowering the number of oms but has it really has it affected you yet uh i will say that there are less flares and that makes me much happier i think that they've found a a really good balance now like it should be that rare holy shit weapon but before it was literally every circle change i was hearing flare guns and that's that's too much it's just way too much and I didn't mean to transition into the flare topic right away. I was talking about the more the sniper rifles, right? Where when I first saw the sniper rifle body shot damage increase, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awful. But it was playing in the game when there was a flare gun every 10 seconds and there was right. three planes in the air most of the game. If you were in the top 20, half of them had OMS. That is not the case anymore. And my personal experience after playing a bunch of this patch is that I haven't really noticed sniper rifles making a huge impact. Not a huge one. Now, in the hands of the right person, like, you know, Chaco, for instance, it matters a lot. But again, he was going to be kind of doing that anyway, I guess. Like, I watched a stream of his the other day where he picked up the arm and was like, I'm going to prove a point. Like, he was using it just to get body shots, just to prove the point that it's way too overpowered, which I I totally get. I think it's interesting that we get these sniper changes alongside the flare gun changes. Those balances really do work in tandem with one another. Honestly, it feels like it used to, but there's still a little bit of what they were wanting to do still around it just doesn't have it as much as it was and i i honestly really do feel like this patch brought that balance back i worry that the sniper rifles are a bit too op and it hurts late game yeah it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it shapes up because the bolt action is always the pick of highly skilled players to have in their arsenal and to make it a little more powerful does seem a little scary so i'm interested to see how it shapes up I think the bigger question or the bigger like conversation to be had is the difference between the car 98 and the M24 now, right? On 75 health, you're going to get shot out with that M24 more often with just a body shot. Yeah, yeah it's more it's slightly more powerful than the car 98. Now, when it comes to headshots, it doesn't really matter because they still decimate level two helmets. With level three helmets, I think the M24 does slightly more damage. I, I don't know the number off the top of my head and I... I'm too lazy to look it up, but um, I know that it's just a little bit more and a little bit more on the body damage. I think all in all, they're kind of on par with one another, but it's just ever so slightly more leaning to the M24. What I'm saying is I think that you're only going to do like 74 damage with the Car 98 now, and the M24 is going to do more than that. So someone who just meted, you're going to be able to shoot mm -hmm. them in the chest and kill them. Mm, that's a good point so it's i think they made it like literally walk that line just a little bit right so that it's just that little bit of difference where you could survive with one hp yeah they'll survive with one hp if it was a car now but the m24 would have taken you out so that's what i saw someone tweeting i, I can't honestly remember it might have even just been in a forum body damage on an m24 is 52 base 
and Carnite eats 49.5. So that would suggest that 50 is the breakpoint for a body shot, right? Car 98 being a 49.5, you would be left with a sliver with the 150% multiplier, and the M24 would kill somebody that just popped a first aid and didn't have any ticks of painkillers or anything taking them above. And is that with a level 2 vest, level 1 vest? That's a level 2, yep. Level 2, okay. Yeah, so that's what I've seen somewhere, and that's what I was like, you know, I mean, now you have like a real reason, other than the fact that like a suppressed M24 is like one of the best sounding guns in the game, and you get more ammo and, and all that. The suppressed arm, though, that sound or whatever it makes. (laughs) Yeah, the sound of the M24 is so clean. It is. Super is. The one of the most interesting ones, since we're still on snipers, this was a very good buff for the Winchester. Have you ran into anybody rocking the Winchester with this new patch? Uh, Me, and I didn't... (laughs) Okay, first of all, I'm the biggest Winchester apologist that I know, but... I'm curious to know what you think buffed this gun in this patch. They it didn't it benefit from the body shot multiplier? And not that I know of. Yeah, it did. It's a sniper. But it wasn't explicitly said in the patch notes. All snipers were buffed. Yeah. All snipers. That gun is the fucking redheaded stepchild of PUBG. Like it is the most bastard ass gun. It doesn't get any love. I don't know if it's it, it's it's in the miscellaneous category, like under uh, skins and shit. PUBG doesn't even know what this damn gun is. So I've been watching the Winnie get games from Chaco, who went hard with it, and Hallie. I think he played one with Hallie, and they won. And then I was watching Kmine, and he went he went real nutty, just doing all forty fives. Makes me so happy. Yeah, it was a fun game. I love to see the Winnie get some love. He did like a vehicle drive-by shot by himself. I hate the Winchester. <gasps> I can't stand this freaking gun. Michael Burns, you take that back. It's honestly a joke on my stream. <gasps> when a Winchester comes by, everyone spams Winnie at me because they know I hate it. I, Dude, the silliest part of that story is that you have fans on your screen <laughs> come on okay one guy <laughs> I'm, just I'm just one playing. asshole just sitting there going get the winnie it actually is one guy that's <laughs> that's the funny part oh shit it's been just, a joke for a long time okay Jeez. i was just throwing shade and now i'm like really just now throwing salt in the wound <laughs> oh. thanks rob stark <laughs> oh, it was rob what's up rob <laughs> it's it's rob stark shout out rob Let's take five minutes and really dedicate the time here. Why is the Winnie bad to you? Oh, gosh. Deep sigh. <clears throat> Go ahead. I'll, I'll wait. Because I suck with it. <laughs> there it is, folks. There it is. Cannot figure it out, man. It's, I just don't know. I, I am so bad at iron sights with any gun, but just how long it takes to chamber the next round and for me to potato another shot it makes me hate that gun do you realize though that's why it's the most satisfying gun in the game to use yeah but you have to be able to hit shots with it for it to be fun and i can't do it well be better i don't know what to tell you just say get good and we can move. just get good mike fuck i like using it but it's just for pure shits and giggles 
part of the reason I don't play uh, Battlefield either. It probably boils down to me watching all those awesome videos when it first released mm-hmm. and the people hitting like two headshots while someone jumped a bike over a hill. And that's what I wanted to be. But I'm not them. <laughs> when you land that perfect headshot, though, oh, it's so good. I I like watching the videos. I agree. I just can't do it. You like miss the head pop. So you just see the red come up. And you kind of got to kill. You're like, oh, no shit. I'm not here to plug me. I mean, I am, but I'm not. But but you are. But I am. But you can. And I will. So when you go into the uh, training grounds and you go over to the um, the handgun rage that has the, the, the pendulum targets that are swinging up and down. Or not up and down, but I mean, they are up and down, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. on the left or right side. Yeah, the propeller, yeah. Take the Winchester, get your bullet loops. Take two Winchesters. Two sets of bullet loops. All the fucking 45 you can carry. Go over there. Don't shoot the target. Shoot the tail of the target that sticks out the opposite side. You want to dial in that Winnie shot? That's what you need to aim at. Find that small, tiny-ass target and just do that over and over and over again. I'm not going to lie. I spent two hours in the training grounds over like a weekend. And that's why I love the Winchester so much because like I put in a dumb amount of time to be good at this stupid ass gun. I still suck at it most of the time, but it was one of those things where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take the worst damn gun in this game and I'm going to figure out how to kill folks with it. And it's uh, it's been downhill ever since. I like it. I'm just going to run through all of the weapon balance changes and then we can kind of pick apart the ones we want to talk about. Okay, so here we go. The M16 had its initial recoil reduced on the burst fire mode. It also had its range fall off damage reduced. It now can take a cannon sight. It can take a tack stock. The vector has been rechambered now to 9mm. The magazine size changed along with that. A little reduction in damage due to being 9mm. The UMP is now 45 ACP. The MK-47 Mutant can now accept attack stock as well. Bullet loops are now available for all of the gun types that can take it. So shotgun, Winnie, Car 98. It's now called ammo loops, so there's no longer different versions for that. The SMG and pistol attachments are now combined, so you can put anything on a pistol or SMG that will take those. It's just the overall consolidation is so good. Oh, they fucking get it. That's that's what matters. Well, they finally got it. Also related to weapon balance, they've decreased the overall aim punch when you hit somebody. The first aid kits, as we discussed, no longer heal instantly. They heal over a two-second period. And vehicles now block players from receiving grenade damage, similarly to how it works with other objects. So basically, if you can see a grenade, it's going to hurt you. If you got something in between you, it will probably be reduced somewhat. Right. We'll see. So let's dig into the one that you brought up first, Griff, was the ammo loops. I think from my perspective, combining a bunch of these attachments is something that we wished for on the Mm -hmm. last episode before we knew this was coming in. And the more I've thought about it, the more actually... I've got to give credit where credit is due. One of the guys on the Hot Drop podcast brought up the fact that this is probably an optimization change as much as it is a weapon balance change. 100%. 
And I think by having less items that can spawn in can only help things spawn in faster when dropping in hot areas. So I think from making it easier to pick this up and knowing you're going to be able to put it on something, wonderful, love the change. But more importantly, they're working on optimizing the beginning of the game, and I think this is a very stealth, good change for that. Similarly, the SMG and pistol attachments being combined is the same thing. So I'm really stoked about this, and when he said that on their podcast last week, I was like, whoa, brilliant, you're on it, I think that's it. Well, without a doubt, man, and and let's be perfectly clear, the only time you use a pistol is early game. I'm going to ballpark it and say 80%, maybe even 85% of the time are never picking up pistol attachments. Now, I'm not talking about red dots or laser sights, which can also work on a pistol. I'm talking about pistol-only attachments, including the three different types of uh, magazines that increased either the reload speed, the capacity, or both, or the the silencer, right? Like, you would pick those up if you, like, really just had a need to, but really the, there was no point, and it was just taking up potential loot spawns. And I think that's another big thing that, I mean, to talk about in this patch was the increase of loot on Erangel, which... I think happened, but also didn't happen. And let me explain. I think that they did increase the loot on Erangel, but I'm also of the mind that they kind of increased the loot in places that already had loot. So more like the big, highly contested hot drop areas. But more than that, the increase in loot, I think, is also a subsequent change of taking away things like shotgun loops, or pistol attachments because now those loot slots can now be occupied by other things in the game which is great but i think ultimately it comes down to like okay you took away things that we weren't really using but there's still plenty more things that need to happen in order to be balanced and and optimized it does make sense and i think my own anecdotal experience has been three or four games out of five in a hot drop area i would end up with seven pistol attachments and nothing else that i could do Mm -hmm. whereas recently it's like 50 50 i've seen a very significant increase in the amount of ars spawned around but i i'm usually going to higher populated areas but my favorite place to go on erangel is the george pull crates and those things got nerfed and nerfed and nerfed to the point where If you landed there with a full squad and another squad was fighting you, you would normally come out with one, maybe two guys with a fully kitted gun. Right. Uh, But I've dropped there a few times recently and won it a few times, and I had two fully kitted guns and walked away from four or five ARs and all the attachments I would ever need coming Hmm. out of there. So it kind of goes along with what you said about the highly contested areas, but I've also noticed a significant increase in just quality of loot. Right. Well, and I say that too because, again, anecdotally, if you go to somewhere like Gadka, I mean, you may find one or two assault rifles, but those are places on the map where you expect to be able to drop with your duo partner, and if there's not enough loot for either one of you to walk out of there with, with decent guns and equipment, it's not really worth your time. It doesn't behoove you to go to a place like that when you're almost encouraged 
to go to more high risk, high reward places, despite your trying to win the game and, and not get knocked out early in the game just because you want to have a chance of actually finding something decent. And I think that's been a really big problem outside of the competitive scene for a while. The competitive side of this is going to be remain to be seen. And I think it's the most interesting part of the loot equation. Because, I again, I drop in different places all the time. I don't have a particular strategy. Someone says, hey, let's drop here. I just kind of go with it. The competitive guys are practicing and learning specific areas for every single drop or every single rotation for a given circle placement. So you bring up a really, really solid point there that that's probably the scene to pay the closest attention to regarding the loot balance changes. Overall, with the reduction of the different types of things dropping and the increase in some of the ARs and SR spawn rates, I think this is only a good move, and I hope that they don't have to knee-jerk it too much more. It's just slight tweaks from here on out, because the initial feeling for me is that it's in a pretty good spot. I agree, and I, I want to be perfectly clear that like I appreciate good game balance as much as the next person, but I also want to point out again, I know I've kind of said this in the past, so I apologize if if I'm repeating myself from previous episodes, but as somebody who has been a big fan of League of Legends for a long time, there are several things that make the game very frustrating to play, but make the game very refreshing to play at the same time, and that is the fact that they're always putting out new patches every two to three weeks. They are adding new champions, they are adding new items into the game, they are adding new mechanics into the map, and I think people talk about like balance your game, fix your game. Well, it's hard to balance it when you're constantly tweaking things in other directions, and the conspiracy theorist can go, well, they purposefully tweaked this champion to be more powerful to kind of nerf these other things. And so you're buffing and nerfing things and slightly tipping things off the scale on purpose to make things more interesting. I think that if you want to be smart about it, PUBG should probably kind of do the same thing. Like, if they introduce a new gun, like we just got the MP5K, then they should buff that gun to absurdity, right? But at the same time, maybe buff something else or nerf something else. And just constantly keep throwing stuff at it to keep it fresh, to keep it interesting. So even though the the community is like, why can't you balance your game? It's like, well, we kind of don't want to because it keeps you coming back and it keeps things moving in a forward direction that makes the game constantly fun and entertaining and interesting to play because you don't really know what's going to happen next. I mean, I know that's kind of a weird way to put it, but I think that's kind of an interesting way to look at game development as a whole. I don't want to break the game with new things every time, though. Like, I wouldn't want a, an SMG to come in out of nowhere, which, you know, I really do like this new MP5K. I'm annoyed that it's not on Vikendi, or is only on Vikendi. Yeah, that part's kind of dumb. I don't understand the whole idea of pushing for SMGs to be the way you play Vikendi, and I don't want an SMG to be insanely OP. That doesn't really sound fun. It would be too common. So I don't want to just, like, introduce something new and break the game for the sake of novelty you know what i mean but i mean that's been the vector for the past two years almost like 
that gun is ridiculously overpowered. I mean, within a 50 meter range, that gun's just way too strong. Kind of circling back to the beginning of this patch, I mean, we got the gender swap between the UMP-45 now and the, uh, the Vector, and now they use the opposite ammunition. I think that was a good change, honestly, because now the Vector can hold more ammo, like it feels more viable of a gun without having to have an extended mag. And then the UMP doesn't feel as OP as it did, which is funny because now everybody says the UMP's trash. Well, it's like, okay, before it was overpowered, now it's trash. Where's the balance? You know, what do you guys think? The UMP's always felt fine. It's always just been a decent drop weapon. I think it's already outclassed in the 9mm space for a, on an automatic like, drop weapon because if you think about it, you're getting um, Bison in there now, and that thing's just going to go off in the early game. But I don't know. I don't think that the SMG changes are that crazy. They're not. They're not changing the meta. Um, people might be running around with the MP5K because it's fun. But the moment that you get the chance for an AR and a DMR or a sniper, that map's really not actually built for SMGs. You know. So I don't know. I don't think it's changed much at all. They're fun little changes. The SM, you know, the UMP sounds good now, but I don't think it like changes the whole game as a bunch as uh, as much as they want SMGs to be very useful they're just okay but yeah i mean out of all the changes i'm mostly excited about the m16 it feels like a really good budget dmr now pretty easy to kit up yeah i'm back into m16 land i love i should say i loved playing with the m16 even after all the nerfs with a 4x and just single tapping with it so getting the ability to use it early game with burst fire and with the tack stock on it it's just become a really go-to kind of DMR light kind of gun for me. And then having it in the new survival pass as a challenge weapon has also made me use it more, which has been pretty fun. I've actually had a lot of fun with that gun. Yeah, it just feels a lot easier to spam uh, with that 4X range, you know, and hit a lot of your shots on single tapping. Um, but I haven't, I haven't been using the Mutant more. That hasn't changed. I'm still not using that gun very often. Yep, hard pass from me. Yeah, that gun is still butt cheeks. And the biggest problem is because they use the uh, the 4X reticle from the AK, which I don't know True. why that reticle feels so bad compared to all the other ones. But it's that circle. Like, I don't know what it is, but that circle and uh, that dot, like, I don't know. It just it makes me dance around their head. Yeah, it feels so dumb. Like, it doesn't feel good at all. And I know that it's like this weird sort of mental block almost on it, but I, I can't it. shake it, dude. It just, it feels terrible. It's gross. Kind of like me and the Winnie. <laughs> that's just because you're bad. Yeah, you're, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a different thing. It's a different thing. I actually do want to try the mutant out with the burst fire and attack stock on it, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah, it's a two burst, right? So if you aim for like mid, mid torso, you can probably pull a headshot out of there. I've had some really good early game scenarios with the mutant when I was forced to use it and burst firing. So that's the only reason I even want to test it out again, but I, I, I'm i not very confident in that gun. Yeah, it's still supposed to one to two burst, right? So, I mean, it's not the worst. It's just no one wants to hold on to it very long. And that's the problem with like a lot of those guns, like except for the Tommy gun. I actually had a really good game with that the other day when I was trying to... Um, just see how far I could get into a game with a Tommy gun. I was like, ah, screw it. Let's see what I, how high I can go. I made it to fourth place, and I died to the circle because I had to cross the river and couldn't couldn't get up the rocks. But all in all, it was like 
Tommy gun's pretty okay. <laughs> but usually that's the type of gun that, like the Mutant, I would drop the moment I found something better. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick it out and just see how far I can go. But that's the problem I feel like a lot of these guns in this game has. Whether it's pistols, whether it's shotguns, some of the SMGs. The moment you find an assault rifle or a DMR or a sniper, those guns are no longer viable. Well, they're no longer desirable. They're still viable because, you know, you've gotten kills. You you prove that it's viable because you've taken it. It's just you don't want to have it. You want that range option and you want that every, you know, that every kind of situation power that an M4 is going to bring you. That's a very good point. Well, and this is the debate that Respawn kind of tackled head on with Apex, too. Because they put in a gun called the Mozambique in Apex Legends, which is just a total meme shotgun. And they're like, no, we want it to be in there because it's bad. And we're going to force you to make funny content with it. But I think what you guys kind of danced around there was that upgrading your loot throughout each match is actually one of the fun things. It's not fun when you can't upgrade it or you're stuck with all the attachments you can't do anything with. But now we have some guns that are viable but not ideal. On every map, right, these changes to the pistol and SMG mags and attachments and the bullet loops actually affects the loot on all maps. Yeah, it's a slight, it's a buff, it's a subtle buff, and it just makes, you know, less redundancies. And then, you know, you're carrying what you need and... But yeah, you know, you're not supposed to have an SMG in the end game. You can have one, you know, you can make it work. But yeah, being able to upgrade along the way is all part of that narrative that you're building through each game. So it's like you're saying, sucks if it's five games where the narrative is this loot sucks. But, you know, if if you're getting your upgrades here and there and you got to randomly use the QBZ, but you're more of an M4 kind of guy, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're getting your, your different changes to slightly alter the, the gunplay. I'm going to throw this out here right now. The most unpopular PUBG opinion of all time. I think that PUBG screwed themselves in two ways. First being when they said the decision to make Arangel have bad or subpar loot four out of five times. The community was like, uh, WT fuck. Why would you do that? Like, why would you make the game purposefully bad the majority of the time you play it? That's a very flawed design idea. Well, yeah, that's what they're starting to listen to that. And I think they're just going to keep getting pushback. The second thing that screwed them was Sandhawk. Because before that map came out, nobody in any real capacity complained about loot. Yeah, but from the time of Sandhawk, they also like decreased loot. That we've you know we talked about this they've decreased loot in places like Miramar, you know the big open things like you know they've messed with the loot tables themselves. So I think they've they did too much experimenting without telling us things. And people who play a lot or watch a lot or do both, you know people who really live in PUBG as a player. They notice these things, and then you get enough people saying the same thing, not because they're just repeating people, because they're actually observing and reporting, you know what they're seeing too it becomes pretty clear that, that the loot got messed up along the way. And I don't think it was, I don't think it was expectations. I think expectations did change because people got better and learned how to rotate the map faster and more efficiently. But you know, if you're rotating the map fast and efficient and you're not even able to get the proper equipment, it, it is pretty annoying. I mean, I agree with you to some extent, but there are several instances where I look back and I think about the loot that I got on Erangel, the loot that I got on Miramar 
And I didn't think anything different because that was sort of what I expected. Like every time I dropped in, this was the type of loot I expected to get on Erangel. It might be good. It might be bad. I might have to search for, you know, 15 minutes. That just kind of was what it was. But I think once they gave us an experience where the loot that you would get 15 minutes into an Erangel game, you could achieve in five minutes on Sandhawk. It was spoiling. I think that's what it was. Like it just, it spoiled us as players to sort of expect that that that's how PUBG should play. Oh, we need to increase the loot on all the maps so that they, they play the same as, as uh, Sandhawk. But truth be told is that these maps are all built very differently for very specific reasons. And I think that keeping them separate is a good, important thing to do. That isn't to say that Vikendi couldn't use, or I'm sorry, not Vikendi, but Erangel couldn't use a little bit of a boost that Miramar couldn't use a little bit of a boost in their loot, but it is smart to look at what the map itself is intended to do and how it's kind of intended to be played or the idea of how it should be played and then balance your loot around that. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately Sandhawk spoiled us more than we'd like to admit. I don't know if I necessarily trust that the devs play the game themselves enough like not that they don't play it enough but like that they that they see enough going on to be like saying that it's the right choice for every map because it feels like they've start like continuously taken loot away from certain areas of certain maps and the way that they say that sanhot or sorry vikendi was designed as a an smg kind of map going from cover to cover house to house it's clearly not that with this like giant bowl it's perfect for snipers, you know what I mean? So it seems like that would be another map that's built for more of a faster play with maybe slower circles or something, but instead it's just these super slow games and, you know, the pacing feels off in it and the guns don't feel good. And I think those two things play hand in hand as well. I'm not that I don't trust that the devs play the game enough, but I don't trust that their head's in the right space on how each map should be, you know, balanced because clearly a lot of people are not satisfied with the way a lot of the maps play for various reasons. To be fair, I mean, that is a very true statement, what you just said. All, all of that is completely true. Um, I think it's also fair to say that we have several different, very different player bases, whether it's uh, North America, China, Europe, and all of the different variances in between, between uh, first person and third person. You know, those games play very differently from one another. And I think then encourage a different style of play. So at what point are you catering to your largest player base? Or are you catering to the player base that is focused more on your competitive scene? Like th there's so many different variables, variables in between. And it's tough to be able to differentiate what the right move is for everybody. Truth be told, you can't please everybody. I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous to try to assume that you can, but I think at the end of the day, there needs to be more focus on the individual communities and how best to cater to each of them in a way that makes sense to them. Like Moses has talked about in the past of having, you know, um, separate settings for first person versus third person. Even if your first person cues or your first person community isn't nearly the size of your third person player base, I don't think it should matter. I think honestly, if that player base is expecting to play the game or wanting to play the game a certain way, then by all means, like why not cater to that 
you already have it in a separate queue. Why not build the game in a way that caters to those players or to caters to that market? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if FVP should be the main competitive one, but like third person just feels like it's PUBG Classic, right? So you play that with maybe classic settings, and then if you want some possibly like upload faster circles and, and you know more of a push for head-to-head kind of encounters and, and uncomfortable head-to-head encounters that make battle royales and places like Sandhawk unique, um, you know, maybe you're playing first-person competitive only or something. One thing I do want to point out real quick while we're talking about this, um, I think PUBG, and I know that uh, PUBG Hawkins, the uh, community manager over there at PUBG, who is all over Twitter, different streamers' chats, as well as uh, Reddit, they posted the question to the community, what do you not like about Vikendi? What did we do wrong with Vikendi? And it was funny because they had like, what was it, fucking like nine or ten answers to that mm-hmm. question? It was insane. Like, But you had to pick one. And I think the most voted answer was circle times. Followed by like DMRs or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's interesting to look at that map and you go like, why does this map play so poorly? What is wrong? And I think it's because one, the diversity of circle locations just doesn't feel like it exists. If that makes any sense. Like it's just a big circle in the middle of the map. And then it just gets like slowly a little smaller and just go center and stay center. Yeah. Every time I land either at uh castle or Podvosta, or was it um, Pod? I don't remember the rest of the name. Or Mount Kresnik. I'm expecting to be there for the next two circles. It's just to sit and wait, take a look, see what happens, see if someone rolls by. There's not incentive to go chase things. And then if you're playing solo, it's so boring. You're literally just listening and you're just you're going towards a fight that you heard happen. The fight doesn't last terribly long. And then you kind of lose where the guy is and you kind of sneak around. And just, you just do that multiple times. And that is why people have this perception that third partying is very bad on that map. Yeah, because you can't, there's no, there's no natural progression through things when it's just everyone kind of slowly gets to the middle. You know, there's not hard shifting. There's not people flying to a location and someone taking their time because they have a bike. No, it's just everyone's just making their way over, usually on foot. You know, you hear something, you go to it because you're bored out of your mind. Yeah, you're pushing shots because you want any kind of action that alone if they figured out a way to balance that shake up the circles please you know make make us more give us more hard shifts and you know more reasons to get in the car how many times have you seen circles land at uh cosmodrome or dino park i never see it i never see it this is why i love this game that was the craziest discussion about the m16 and mutant revamp i've (laughs) ever had (laughs) I'm sorry, we totally fucking rabbit trailed on that one. No, but here's my point, though. We were talking about certain guns, how they fire, and it led us into how the loot's distributed and how that affects play. We talked about the devs. They're asking questions about why aren't you playing this map. And we can talk about this stuff all the time, and there's all these little factors that matter. Circle time. SR spot rate how burst fireworks and all of that affects this overall gameplay and it leads us into all these different discussions and it's why i really like this game i like what the devs are doing i like that they're trying stuff i said this on the last episode when we just learned about the dev letter and what they're trying to accomplish guess what 
they've done some stuff that really is changing the game in a way that is immeasurable. It's a feeling. It's good. I don't know any other way to put it other than it gets me excited to continue to check it out because all of just these weapon changes, just these loot changes, spawn this entire discussion of things we want, things we still don't like, things we love, things that used to be classic, third-person, FPP, where should the competitive scene be? That's why this game is awesome. So I don't think it was bad that we went around like that, but I am going to wrap it on that and just talk quickly about the last few things that are on this because it may end us. We may end up going back in a circle again. So, uh, Kev, how much do you like the new survival pass? <laughs> uh, that garbage I'm not going to buy? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of just recolors. A lot of recolors. Some cool weapon skins, but, you know, okay, just weapon skins. And then I just still got a bad taste in my mouth, you know? The last one sucked. It didn't give me any real reason to want to play it. And so I just boycotted this one. You know, I'm going to miss not having the bags, I guess. But, you know, that's that's really an insult to you guys, not me. I'm not going to really look at the bag. And I bought it instantly. Same Z's. <laughs> the second I logged in, I bought it. Didn't even look at it. Again, it's just a way for to support the game. And I think they heard the feedback on the last one. You now get a boatload of rerolls on daily and weekly quests. Answer this for me. Do you really only have a week to finish your weekly challenges now? Uh, yes. I don't know. I mean, in weeks past, you know, they gave you like some harder ones maybe to start and they took like two weeks or, you know, you didn't get them all done. It was the duration of the entire pass. Yeah. Basically, once it unlocked, it was unlocked until the end of, you know, week 10. Yeah, because here's the thing, even if they fixed all the problems with the previous patch, or pass, it's still PUBG, like they have to take one opportunity to fuck it up for their players, and I think that was it. Yeah, so I heard that too, I was like, wow, that makes it even more obvious. <laughs> I've been I've been too busy at work, like, just these past two weeks. If I'm going to have a week where I'm putting in overtime, and, you know, I have some other things going on, you know, maybe I'm not getting that week's stuff done, and so now you're saying there's no more chance, like... I could see week 10 if I'm trying to grind out that last little bit, but week one's missions are done. You know, that's annoying. They gated a lot of the stuff, so they put in weapon challenges. So there's progressive weapon missions, which I like. I like those. It makes you use guns and kill people with them and do unique things with them, which I think is great. Should have done it for all the guns. Maybe. I, I don't know if they needed to, though. It's This is a way to force people to use guns that they don't use all the time, and then a couple that they normally use. I think it's a. I think this was a good play. They did exactly what I asked, but I'm not doing it because of the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I'm glad you could at least admit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, they did pretty much exactly what I wanted, but there's just, you know, bad taste in my mouth, and, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to complete each week, so if I can't go back and get it done, that's annoying as well, so... You know, I'm good. Yeah, that's fair. I think overall they made some good improvements to it. You get a bunch more re-rolls. You get dailies. You get weeklies. They got rid of all the really ridiculous stuff like driving around for 300 kilometers. So glad they did that. Thank you. It's it's fresh. It just came out. Yeah, and bet you bet your ass I'm going to get, like, I'm going to buy the Wacky Jackie and Chaco Taco skins and, like, you oh. know... Yeah. I'm going to support the people that I, you know, I'm already like love watching and stuff. So I'll still be supporting the game as well. And I bought the game twice and all this other stuff. So 
I've done my part, but I'm not buying this goddamn pass. I'm not implying that you're not supporting <laughs> the game. I'm just implying that I am. Well, okay. Fine then, Mr. Virtue Signal. Are you going to go over to Wacky's stream or Chaco's stream and click on the link in their Twitch page and support them directly like that? Or are you just going to go into the store and buy it off Steam because you don't care about them? I actually don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got a point, though. When it does happen and you're going to buy, there's usually a thing on their page to buy it through their actual Twitch while they're streaming live. And I think they get more of a Please. cut. So legitimately support those guys. When you're yes. buying it, instead of just going through the store on PUBG, you know. And it's not to say that they don't get a cut going through the PUBG store, but they definitely get more of a percentage when you do it through their Twitch page. So if you really do want to support Chaco, you really want to support Wacky Jackie for finally getting skins in this game, please go to their Twitch page. Please buy it through there. So the last major change that I think is important to discuss is the changes to the queue system in Quick Play. And what they have told us is that they will equally fill people that queue via quick play into all of the maps instead of just filtering them into what is most popular, a.k.a. Vikendi and Sandhawk recently. I'm have you guys seen changes from this since they implemented it last week? I'm going to say yes. Yeah, it seems it seems way better. Um, especially if you're playing duos and squads, it seems a little more reliable. I think there's still a lot of people specifically queuing for stuff in solo. Mm-hmm. So that could you know be having an issue still. Even in solo, I have played a lot more Erangel and Miramar compared to the previous months, just from quick queue. Well, I mean, right even before this podcast started, uh, my buddy Asylum and I were getting some duo games in, and swore to God, we played four games of Miramar back-to-back. Like, that's nuts, dude. And I know that some of it has to do with the fact that I think uh, Chaco's online and he's playing with Moses and, and Chaco likes to queue, queue up for Miramar from time to time. And, of course, the community rallies behind him and stuff. But I think it's great, like, finally kind of getting more of that equal diversity back into the map selection where it wasn't Sandhawk, 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 Bikindi, Sandhawk, Sandhawk, maybe Erangale. And then more Sandhawk for the rest of the night. But, I mean, shit, Miramar was the, like, long-forgotten bastard child of the PUBG world. And now it's finally seeing, kind of, I don't want to say a resurgence necessarily, but I'm seeing it more regularly to the point where it feels like I'm getting an equal balance of map representation when I queue up. I love Miramar. I do, too. Miramar is so fun. F people who think that map is bad. That's right. I don't care yeah, if you listen you. to this show or not. <laughs> you in your car or at your computer or listening to it on your Zoom because you suck and you don't have any friends. Miramar is a good map and you, you should be ashamed for thinking it's bad. I thought I didn't think we were all going to agree on that. I'm actually impressed with us. Yeah, I find that people who don't like Miramar are the people who only play Sanok. Dude, I heard that the people that don't like Miramar also slap their grandmas and drown kittens. Wow. Yeah, real shit bunch of people, as far as I'm concerned. Well, on that note, let's talk about the uh, PUBG community. Let's do it. All all the glorious people (laughs) that are a part of it. The diverse kind of people we have. Uh, My favorite people. So this is actually a good time to talk about grandma slappers, actually, Mm. because what I'm about to talk about could go... 
both ways. I'm going to talk about a positive one, but I'm sure we'll get into some fun conversation here. So what I want to talk about is basically something that is in the PUBG community after the devs opened up the API. And what I want to talk about here is PUBG.report, the website. Go on. Last week, we talked at length about a scenario where One Heart and Heath both died, and I got to experiment with some assertive tactics. And long story short, I had limited ammo. I was sitting in a corner with a shotgun, killed three guys, looted them, killed a full other squad. We laughed about it. We talked about it on last episode. It was a super memorable play for me. And then I didn't think much of it. But a few days later, after the recording of the podcast, actually, I went to PUBG.Report. And if you haven't seen this site, it captures kills and deaths of streamers from their perspective. And then it also captures the killer or victim's perspective from their clip if it's available. It's oftentimes you can watch both sides react to the killing. So in this scenario, we had just talked about it on the podcast, and a few days later, I click into PUBG.Report, and I see that one of the guys that happened to be streaming, which was the guy that I one-tapped with an M16 flick shot, had been on PUBG Report. So I click on it, and I just expected that he was going to tilt because it was a ridiculous shot, and I just wrecked his whole team. And I wouldn't have blamed him if he was a little upset, because I probably would have been. Instead, what happened was a hilarious conversation between him and his squad, first about the situation, and then they started arguing about my name. (laughs) To the guys over at the Hung Squad, yes, you heard it right, (laughs) H-U-N-G Squad. So Hung, dude. Griff, I knew you would like that. I heard they're an equestrian bunch, you know. Big, thick boys. But to them, I will be forever remembered as MTBT Rigger. T-Rigger? Oh my god. MTBT Rigger. That's the best. Direct <laughs> by Rigger, you know? One of them had it right. He said, no, that's Trigger. And the other said, he will forever be Rigger. So I've since connected with them on Discord and Twitter. They're genuinely cool gamers who just love PUBG. I'll put a link to one of their streams in the show notes. But more importantly, and the reason I brought up PUBG Report is that I think the PUBG community is awesome. There are a lot of people out there that love this game, mm-hmm. and there's tools being put out there to connect people together. And PUBG Report could connect people, and it can also show people really losing their cool when you kill them. So it has the ability to do both. But I wanted to open this up and ask you guys, what do you think of PUBG Report? Have you had any cool interactions from it? What do you think? Uh, well, I think it has the potential to be relatively toxic if in the hands of the wrong person. I say that because I'm kind of a fan, but I'm, I, I don't know how I feel about the fact there is a particular streamer, relatively high profile PUBG streamer, who takes time out of his streaming to go and watch the PUBG report or to watch clips of people dying to him or people killing him and he watches them on stream and he makes a thing of it and then he puts out a youtube video about him doing it and i think it's it's kind of fun because like nobody else is really doing it but there's a part of me that's kind of like it seems a little self-aggrandizing sounds like a roast though i mean 
whether it's classy or not, whether you, you know, you personally like it, it fits your style, like, of comedy. I mean, it's just like someone roasting someone who, you know, if you're streaming, you are in public. Um, I could see if it, you know, if you just spend too long making fun of someone who's, like, streaming to an audience of one already, you know, and it's like, yeah, you probably didn't need to spend time with your whole crew making fun of this dude that can so easily be found and talked to and, like, talk shit on by, like, 20 mm-hmm. people at once, which then, like, that would really suck if you just show up in the stream and you have people being like, you fucking suck, you know? That's always been kind of a problem with Twitch. You know, you can only find someone who's got, like, TV at the end of the name, like, Trigger, you know? <laughs> yeah, what a cuck and that you, guy is. You go, man, <laughs> you beat us all, but you still suck, you know, because that's, that's usually their actual situation with him. But, you know, that's always going to happen, and you know, that makes it easier to find those people, but I think in in the hands of the people that we end up interacting with, you know, people, you know, from our community or from like Hambino's community, I think I was able to find someone, you know, that we went up against, uh, Trigger and I, uh, in customs and it was cool. I just ended up following him, watching his stream a few times. Nice guy. You know what I mean? Like all worked out, but yeah, some people, this, you know, the worst people will find a way to, to make this even easier for them to be shitty people, but there's a lot of good people in PUBG, so I really enjoy it. The people who are here still tend to not be super toxic about it, so. Yeah, I just think it has a big opportunity and while I see your point, Griff, about the toxicity of it and the potential for toxicity, I do think there's huge opportunity with PUBG Report and I've used it so many times to go find a streamer who had a good reaction to being killed or at least just was like, oh man, nice shot. You know, some people even know that they're streaming and that they're probably going to show up when someone kills them with a TV in their name Mm -hmm. and they'll be like, oh, MTB, nice, man, or whatever. So I've chosen to use it as a reason to reach out to people. And if someone kills me and makes a great play and they're a streamer, I'll, I'll go say, hey, nice shot, man. That was awesome. And I'll go chat with them for a few minutes in between my games. And if I didn't catch them because maybe they don't have TV in their name, and I see him on PUBG Report, I'll go find him and just say, hey, good game yesterday, you killed me over here. The funny part about this is one guy killed me because I still didn't have my jump and vault keys separate, and I failed a jump, and I vaulted, and he just murdered me. And I had to go watch it on PUBG Report. (laughs) I went into his stream after watching the PUBG Report because he literally said, Oh, dude, I've seen that guy before. He's pretty good. He must have his vault key still bound to jump because that was really dumb. (laughs) And sure enough, that's exactly (laughs) what I did. And it led into this hilarious conversation in his stream. So it was kind of fun. It is going to be how you use it, but I would encourage people to check this thing out. For sure. Use it for positive. Have some fun with it, you know, and tell people when they make a good play, don't accuse everyone of cheating. That's not going to go well. It's, I don't know, I think it's an awesome, awesome tool. And if you didn't know about it, it's pubg.report. That's all you need to type into your browser. And go type your handle in, your in-game PUBG handle, and see what's out there. It's really a cool tool. It might honestly be the coolest community-made tool I've ever seen in any video game. Like, straight up, if anybody has ever wanted to feel like some feeling of importance or like, oh, I was on a stream or I I was, I played against so-and-so that's probably the closest you'll ever get 
And I love that the chances are always so high because, you know, 100 people drop into a, a map and, you know, your odds are just as good as the next guy. But it's a really cool thing. And I, I think having played online video games for the past decade and some change, it's probably one of the neatest things I've ever seen. Yeah, and you bring up something that I hadn't thought about before, but there's a bunch of people in my office at work that don't play video games, but they saw me watching PUBG Report and me on there, and they asked what it was, and now there's a few of them that actually check the site with my name on it because they like watching me die or they like watching funny scenarios with me involved in it. So That's great, dude. Use it for stuff like that. It's just a cool tool. Well, I had a, a, a I say a buddy of mine, he was a, a a follower on my Twitch channel. And I think, I think we follow each other on Twitter too. We drops into a game and I was like, Oh, I'll just check out the report and see if I killed anybody. And <laughs> lo and behold, I killed this guy. I didn't recognize him in game at the time, but I kill him and he goes, oh, son of a bitch. That was, that was Grifflicious. Damn it. And then just went into this whole thing. It was like, is he streaming? Oh, he's not streaming. I can just delete this VOD. He doesn't have to know. <laughs> and of course, I tweeted him at it, you know, about the whole thing. But it was just kind of super funny and, and this sort of a neat way to reconnect with one another. I don't know. It was it was just really fun. And uh, I hope that it stays around for a long time. And I and like you said, I hope people use it for good and they do fun things with it. And uh, I don't think it should be used as a way to... I don't know, shit on each other or have some weird arbitrary dick measuring contest. I, I think the game is much bigger than that. And I think whenever, you know, you're in a firefight with somebody, you know, or someone you recognize, then it should be kind of like a fun thing, you know, say your GGs if you lose or, or win and let that be it. We touched on the subject of toxicity. So I'm going to use that as an opportunity to move into our next section here. And whether you love Dr. Disrespect or you hate him, I think he made a very interesting observation a few weeks ago while he was doing a three-game Battle Royale win challenge. He was playing Fortnite, PUBG, and Apex and trying to get a win in Fortnite, a win in PUBG, and three wins in Apex in one eight-hour stream. And during the PUBG section, he made the point that the speed of the game and the core mechanics allows for, and I quote, a pussy play style, or that it was favored. Now, I don't have any stream snipers, so my disagreeing stance isn't really relevant to his context because he does have a lot of people that are out to kill him. He was talking about stream snipers having the ability to more easily ruin a streamer's ability to play in PUBG, and this got me thinking about toxic gameplay. Now, I don't think the doc was saying that camping is toxic gameplay, but I do believe there are ways to be a camper and have it be toxic and not toxic. So I wanted to just kind of throw this out there. Are there certain types of gameplay that you guys consider to be toxic? I mean, I think the stream sniping is, is probably one of the only really actually toxic things you could be doing to somebody, you know, um, even if you're one of the stream helpers, right, you're giving an unfair advantage to someone who already has an insane skill advantage, right, you're going to drop them an M249 and just leave, you know, I saw that in one of Chaco's games, you know, someone like fired a gun off and then just left it on the floor and just, you know, disappeared. 
And he was like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to not take it. And I don't blame him for not taking it. He found an M249 or whatever it was. Like, take it. You know, if you're going and you're trying to kill a stream sniper, like that's, or you're trying to kill a streamer as a sniper, like that's a problem. Um, other than that, I'm not a fan. I don't think it's toxic, but I'm not a fan of the no information camper who just, you know, the only information they're waiting on is to finally hear someone coming up to the bathroom they're camping in and shooting them with a shotgun. I think that's a pretty shit way to play the game. It's not toxic. It's just, you know, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed when that happens, you know? <laughs> It's just like a dad moment, you know, you just... Why are you there? Go outside and play some games, you know? <laughs> it's already an issue if you're spending your whole Saturday inside playing a video game, but if you're doing it hiding in a bathroom, like, you're hiding in your house, and in the game, you're hiding in, in another house, in a bathroom, just sitting there, scared, like, go outside and play some stuff. <laughs> At least play in the outside virtual world. What about you, Griff? Is there anything that you think is toxic in-game behavior, or ways that are toxic to be to play i'm of two minds i think that there are things about the game that are incredibly frustrating to play against uh especially when it's in the quote-unquote pussy ass camper sort of realm i think that ultimately what makes PUBG and all of the battle royale shooters so great is that they cater to every play style it doesn't matter if you're the guy that's super aggro and wants to run in and be big and be loud and get all the kills or if you want to be the guy that's hiding in the bush the game can really be played either way and i think that ultimately that's okay there really is no shame in doing it i think the difference is is that when somebody's doing it differently than the way you're doing it it's frustrating when their way is more successful than your way and i think that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of players yeah recognizing when someone makes a good play can be challenging but I think once you start looking at the game that way, it's also super rewarding when you got to see a firsthand view of someone making an awesome play. Well, and I think this stems back from the, the Halo days and the Call of Duty days when you're playing Deathmatch, right? I'm not talking about Search and Destroy, which by its very nature is a, an elimination style game, but... When the game is get as many kills as you can and people sit in one room waiting for you to run through one doorway, then yeah, that's kind of cowardice and it's not really a lot of skill. I mean, because you can just sit there and wait and ready to hold the trigger. It's not that impressive versus the guy who can run around and get a bunch of kills. So I think really that's a holdover mentality a lot of players have from that type of game because battle royales are played very differently. I only have one life. Like, I have no real incentive to run around and try to get all the kills when if I mess up, I'm out. I lose the game. And if the intention is to win, then that's totally different. If your intention is to frag out, then yeah, I'm, I could understand being upset with other players who don't play that way, but... If, if somebody's playing the game the way they want to play it, the way the developers intended the game to be played, which is a multitude of ways, then there really is, in my opinion, no wrong way to play the game. Again, I accept that it's frustrating, but I don't fault the player who is in it to win it a lot more than I am and is willing to play more conservatively to do so. Yeah, and you guys both kind of hit it on the head where I'm saying I agree that there are play styles that I don't necessarily like, but I respect them. 
but I don't like being killed by them. Really the only place where I see truly toxic gameplay is someone who is, you know, sniping a streamer and intentionally positioning themselves in a way that you couldn't otherwise do without having knowledge from their stream. And the other one is actually in the voice chat if you have open mic. And I know you can turn this off, but there's a lot to there's a lot of fun to be had by having the open mic on and saying GG for sure. Or where'd you come from? Or da 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 da. And even in those moments where I kill someone and they're like, oh no, cheater, blah, blah, whatever. Even then, I don't consider that as toxic. It's just kind of that gut reaction. But I did run into someone that made a great play on me. I was playing duos and they made a great play on me. And my teammate was potatoing shots, right? Normally someone who shoots really well. And this person just absolutely destroys me. And my teammate just could not down them. So he runs up after killing me and he goes, your teammate's trash, man. Tell him he sucks. He's awful. And then proceeds to kill him. And I'm just like, we know. We got wrecked. <laughs> like, why? Why take the time to do that? And it, it's, it wasn't even trash talk at that point. It was just like, it was like legitimately just toxic. <laughs> I don't know any other way to put it, but. I was going to say, I've been known to like throw a little trash talk back and be like, wow, you guys really are bad. You got lucky with killing my boy. And it's usually after a full thirst that I'm already of the mindset that I'm going to reset without finishing the game out. But that mm -hmm. sounds like the guy went out of his way to be like strictly a dick, not just like. Oh man, I got you, and you shouldn't have got my friend. You should have just left him up, you know, like something like that, you know. Right. It was beyond gamer trash talk. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even that, like, you know, some people are just like super cocky, and like, you know, people even have like, you know, a random teammate who happens to be pretty serious, and it's like, I'm gonna go loot my two kills over there, and they just like keep rubbing it into you. It's like, dude, we're on the same team. You don't need to rub any kills. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for us. Right. There's just some people who get annoying with that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's the um. The people who go straight to the racial slurs and stuff like that, just trying to get a rise out of you. It's like, dude, can you grow up? Because like, it, it sucks when you hear that voice and you realize that person's like in their thirties and they're saying something like that. And you're like, come on, man! Like, if you were like, if you were still squeaking as like a fourteen year old, it's like, oh man, that kid thinks he's edgy. And then you just tell him he's he's a nerd and just go on with your day. Yeah, it's the people who go straight to the slurs and it's like you you know you know better and you just think you're some sort of an edge lord. Um, that, that gets you know that gets annoying. So that and stream snipers, I think, those are probably the only two real ones. And then I'm just disappointed in bathroom campers. The no information camper does not earn my respect either. What about the thirsty thirsters? That's the meta now, man. I thirst all day. Shoot everything. Everyone else is doing it. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation, but I think it's a fun one to have. It is, and we're not going to do it. So for our tactical talk today. I want to flip this toxic idea on its head and talk about good situations to quote-unquote camp, or for those of you that just can't consider yourselves a camper, to play defensively. And I think some of the reason this idea that camping is not an okay strategy is because the nature in PUBG is that you don't want to get shot. So you're constantly trying to move from cover to cover and you don't want to be spotted. As most gamers advance in this game and they learn how to play PUBG, they typically find that they're, they're moving between buildings better, they're finding more cover, and they're not staying still as much. 
So that said, even now, there are a ton of scenarios where I find it appropriate to make no noise or very little noise in order to gain an advantage. So I'm going to kick this one off and then I'll kick it over to you guys. For me, I am not a center circle player. I like to be on the edge. And if I find myself in the center of the circle after the very first phase comes through, it drives me insane because I just don't like sitting still. It's very rare that I actually choose to camp or make no noise or to not move. And in solos, I really don't like to do this because even when I'm in a house, I will move from window to window checking all of the different angles to see if I can get some positional information on the enemies. However, if I find myself in a situation that's closing in on the end game or I'm in a disadvantageous situation in positioning, I will hunker down, especially if I think there are two different enemies that might be able to see me. I want to give a couple specific examples here, and then I'll open it up to you guys. One of the times that I will hunker down is if I'm on the edge of the circle and I have a rock or a tree that can block 50% or more of the remaining open circle from being able to see me. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So that's one of my favorite times to just get audio information because I can see the rest of the open field or open forest, whatever it is. Right. So the second one that I like is if I'm running late into the circle and there's a few buildings that are available, I will stay on the outside corner of the building or that hard cover or whatever it is to see if I can't get some audio information just because I want to see if there's multiple different places people can be. But I like to listen for those shuffling steps inside the buildings. I'm in the exact same position, dude. I love, I'll take soft cover over hard cover any day. Right. And so the, the last one is that if I'm caught in a building, and this is specifically in squads where I'm in an apartment building and someone's coming to rescue me, but there's a bunch of people in the same building, I will sit down and try to give as much information to my team with making as little information as possible or making as little noise as possible to buy as much time as I can. Hell yeah, dude. That's the way to do it. Yeah, you know, if you're in the apartments and you got the third floor and there's only one way up, you know, bet your ass I'm going to be sitting there with a shotgun holding that angle waiting for him. Not making a, you know, not making a noise. I'm not camping the steps. I'm just, I'm doing the best I can, you know. And I'm kind of like you trigger in the fact that like, I like to be moving. I like to be on the outside of the circles and stuff. But I think when you talk about when's the right time versus the wrong time to be a camper, quote unquote, like when is it acceptable? Again, that's kind of subjective based on, you know, personal play style. But whenever I find myself in a position where I feel comfortable doing it, it's more or less when I've taken the opportunity to put myself in a position where I can sit and listen for information or I've snuck up on somebody and they don't hear me and I can tell they don't hear me because they don't react. They just keep acting as they were when I heard them. And then now it's up to me to sort of put the move on them, so to speak. Yeah. So that goes back to the whole tactical 
portion of this talk we like to do. And every scenario is different, which is why we like to give a couple options or examples of when to do it. And we love to hear these back. It all comes down to when's a good opportunity to do it. And so this one might actually be easier to examine the opposite side when you should not <laughs> sit still because there's so many times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down and then I just get murdered. You know, so the these ones that I gave that are good times to do it, the flip side is, you know, if somebody has visual information on you and they can kind of eliminate where you aren't and that's a significant portion of the cover that you have available probably not a good time to sit down right yeah so there's the whole idea of like you know there's camping and you know where you're not getting any information you're just hoping for the best and hoping you can catch someone unsuspecting that's a no-no but if you're sitting there and you're in a place and you're actively getting that information then you're in a good position like that's that's not a bad thing to do but if you're playing and i think this happens a lot on miramar talk about it we're talking about a miramar a lot tonight but i think this happens on miramar a lot where you, you hold a building and there's so much elevation around it and off in the distance that if you get spotted and that person is able to do that without you seeing them then you stay where you're at there's a good chance that they can figure out a way to use the valleys and mountains around and work their way into a position where now they're right on top. You, you never heard them. And, you know, they might be able to get that entry frag on you um, and do it with the squads and, and get in there early. And, you know, if you're in solos, they might just take you out without you ever having known. There's a point where you're definitely holding too long. And there's a point where if you see someone and then they dip away, you, you know, you got to start thinking about leaving. You don't want to hold it too long, especially in that mid game. Like if you get into a fight mid game, you know, you got to expect that someone is going to try and do that, you know, investigation see what's going on so at that point holding that building still might get you in trouble yeah we're also i mean yeah you definitely don't want to be camping too long in the mid game uh a lot of times a lot of the reasoning behind deciding to even hold a place is usually we got this vehicle we've got this compound and we've got an okay loot and we've got one minute left until the zone shifts let's see where we got to go that's the best time to use it because if you can you know there is a certain point you said you don't like to play the edge but there's still a point in the game where you might get hard shifted and being able to find that center compound or just move to the skinny side of the circle and get like a really good, you know, hilltop cover. Might, that might be the time to do it is, is like right away before anyone has a chance to really get there or at least minimize the chance that it's multiple teams when you get there. So that's when, you know, you got to kick the camping out, you know. So there's just that balance of, of playing slow and, and then moving faster. Well, I also think that there's a uh, definitely a time whenever you know that you're going to have a big positional advantage to people moving in on a particular rotation. Or if, say, you were fighting with someone outside the zone and now they're put in a position where they have to push into the zone, well, there's absolutely nothing wrong with gatekeeping, which is really just a positive term of camping, if we're being honest. It's keeping the offensive and, and it's doing something smart with the information. You're not going to push out of the zone. That'd be stupid. You're not going to let them in either. Yeah, it's a more proactive version of camping versus a reactive version where I feel like I think that's the problem we really get into this with the nuance is that uh, most people feel negatively about the reactive campers versus the proactive ones. 
That's a really good point, Griff. I like that. You're not camping when you're playing defense, like, at all. You're shutting down lanes. You're shutting down opportunities. I, I don't call that camping. If you're getting, if you're walking away from a you know camp with a full squad wipe, um, and they didn't step foot in your house, you can't call that camping. You know, it's just you use the hard cover and the lane and the knowledge of that thing to you know shit on an unsuspecting team. Yeah, but if you're holding a ridge, knowing that there's a a team of two or a team of three getting ready to crest over the other side because that's the path they have to take in order to get into the play zone. It's really the same thing, just in a different coat of paint. I mean, I guess, but you're not like, you know, you were moving actively. You spotted something and you, you moved actively to do something. And that might act, that active idea was just to hold, you know what I mean? Campers aren't actively taking information going, I'm going to go and get ahead of this team and then wait in a fucking corner. They're just like, I don't know where anybody is. I'm scared, and I'm just going to put a mid-pack down in the middle of the floor and then something else like a soda in behind this door, and I'm just going to sit in here because I'm bad and I can't shoot. It's, that's, that's a different type of mentality. That's, a, that's not. I agree, and, and I think back to Trigger's original question is like, when is this acceptable? And I think that's the difference is whether or not you're a, a reactive camper or a proactive camper. I mean, call it whatever you want. I mean, you're still camping to an extent, but like the idea is, am I playing with the intention of like knowledge or am I playing because I don't want to die? It's weird, but definitely I feel like the biggest negative connotation that we place on players is the ones who just sit with no other intention except for waiting for someone to run into the room. Well, and I think the reason we're all and I wouldn't even say picking on it, but the reason that one continues to come up is because we all know, generally speaking, when you are proactive in this game, you're going to have better results. And unfortunately, we've all died to someone who was like either AFK and just came back at that time, or someone who was truly just reactive camping in a building way out in the middle of nowhere that shouldn't have been there. And that's frustrating. But Getting better at this generally means you're going to take scenarios and be assertive and be proactive. Yeah, so you brought up a great point with gatekeeping, and I actually really like your definition of proactive camping versus reactive camping, because it, it again, camping gets kind of a bad rap as a term. What's I'm saying? I don't think I like the term camping like is the right term. You're playing defense. You know what I mean? Because like if you're always going to think of camping in a negative light. You don't think of the team playing defense as doing something wrong. They're just a team that's good at defense. If you run up on a part in the late game, let's say it's circle four, it's phase four, and there was already a defined hard shift, and you run up on a guy on the outside of the zone who was just sitting there waiting for someone to run by, that dude's not playing defense. Yeah, that well, that would be a camper. That's those two people aren't the same thing. Why would you call it camping? You know what I mean? Why would you call? Why would you call sitting like camping? Isn't as simple as he sat and wait. It's he sat with no purpose. He had no real intention of doing you know anything productive. That's a camper. So I'm saying like we're we're using we're stretching camping and the term too far. You know what I mean? I to me, I feel like that's adding a subjective definition to the term. PUBG is not the only game to experience campers. Every game that has had any sort of multiplayer element that involved killing other players, camping has always been a thing. 
And I think to say that someone sat with no purpose is not like falsely accusing them of something, but like, obviously we don't know what was going through that player's mind. Sure we do. I'm going to sit here and kill the thing that runs across the moves. Well, and I say it because like I had it happen to me in one particular situation where I was just like, why the fuck was somebody there? Like there was he there was absolutely no reason this guy had no business being where he was and killed me. But at the same time, as upset as I was, I also understood that he had every right to do what he did and that I'm still at fault because I didn't do my due diligence to make sure that I wasn't running into a potentially hostile infested situation. Yeah, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about people's rights in PUBG, dude. I'm just saying like that's not camping. You know what I mean? Like one thing is not camping. You know what I mean? Like playing playing quick and decisive defense. Like oh, I got until I spotted somebody. Guys, let's shut the fuck up. Let's stop running around. Take your damn shoes off. We're gonna jump this team. Is not the same as the guy who just sat in a building waiting for luck to come through and open the door and also be a bad shot. That's a camper. And that's my only argument is that playing defense is not camping. So those are the guys that deserve to go to hell and have like a pineapple shoved up their ass for all eternity. Yes. Yeah. The classic COD style camper is the only camper that really makes sense to me. The rest, like the rest of the times you're going to call someone a camper is because you didn't have information. You didn't know what they knew. They're you know, playing defense because they knew about you. Yeah, they had a tactical advantage on you. Yeah. And this is why I wanted to have the discussion, because the definitions aren't always easy to decipher when people use a blanket term like camper. And they change from game to game. Yeah, and they change from... There was corner camper in Call of Duty, and who knows what else. Yeah, holding a lane, you know, was like, oh man, you're a jerk for doing that. And it's like, yeah, but it works, you know. Right, but you guys are saying basically the same thing. And as we break it down into tactical discussions it's how to use it to your advantage and when's a good opportunity to do it and so i want to leave you guys with my final thought because griff took uh gatekeeping which is my favorite tactic but the last thing that i would submit to you as when it's a good opportunity to proactively camp is when you are in a spot that was relatively unknown to a squad pushing, and this is specifically for squads, and you know they're going to run by or near you, and this is more about trigger discipline than actually camping, but it's a good idea to not make noise and don't shoot the first person that runs by. And this is super hard, but I promise if you get trigger discipline on this, you can surprise teams and really change the course of battle by just being in a spot that they might not quite expect and you catch the second person running through. It's just a good opportunity to change the tide of that battle. So that's really the last tactical thing I have for you guys. Well, one last thing I want to add to this discussion before we walk away from it, and this is a quick quick take, is we have the term thirsty for the people that down teammates and duos and squads. But another term that's come up and and bringing on the topic of uh, camping is sweaty. The reason I bring this up is because I was watching uh, a few particular uh, PUBG pros and they were talking about landing at Pachinki and they were very upset about dying to sweaty players. And their rationale was, if you're going to land in a hot drop, then you should basically be playing the way that they play so 
it's like if you aren't dropping into Pachinki and bum rushing every building and playing super aggro, then you're doing it wrong. Well, that's a whole different kind of gate. That's a whole different kind of gatekeeping. You know what I mean? Right. And I was just, I, I was kind of taken aback because I'm like, okay, you can still land a Pachinki, but just because they don't play like you doesn't mean that how they're playing is wrong. And I think that's where this game gets so many mixed signals because people think that it should be played one way when really the sub- the subjectivity of the game is so wildly different across every person. And that's what makes it so great. Well, and until somebody figures out a good way to measure skill in a battle royale game, we're going to be left with that subjective feeling on how people should play. Exactly. So yeah, I agree. All all styles work in this game. All methods of playing work. I respect however someone chooses to play the game. Doesn't mean I'm going to like how they killed me. I'm going to respect their decision. I'm not going to respect them as a player, okay? Yeah, yeah there's still pieces of shit, 100%. I still think you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you, you suck, but you know. Have a good day, sir. You suck, but have a good day, sir. Yeah. But but that's kind of the thing, right? Is how do you how do you measure skill in a battle royale? What what's what's really driving that? Is some people think skill is being able to kill twenty people a game. Well it's the same as trying to measure enjoyment in the game, you know? Are you playing slower for the end game? Do you just want to go in and play the early games? You find that fun? Are you in it you know, right. just for like the mid game, you know? shenanigans and conversations with the friends from college that you haven't seen in a while like what is it about the game that bring them you know that makes it worthwhile for you you know it's all subjective but you know it's a good it's a good conversation to have like what's truly toxic and like what's what is the definition of camping within PUBG and you know all that well and we should definitely put it out to the community and ask you guys like what do you think is is there a right or a wrong way to play is there a wrong way to eat a Reese's yeah, Reese's yes. Pieces with Ranch is the wrong way. <laughs> that's uh, that's an inside joke there. <laughs> Having yeah. never done it, I can't disagree or agree. I'll have to try it myself. Only one of us here has done it. <laughs> I'm probably the only person that's tried that. Fair enough. But yeah, so come to come to the Discord and come into the you know the show feedback and you know let us know your thoughts on Reese's Pieces and Ranch. And on what's toxic behavior in the game, um, and any of your thoughts on that, that'd be always welcome. Do it, hell yeah! So camping and getting killed by campers is probably the quickest way to get your blood pressure on the rise in PUBG, or just losing a tough battle where someone gets you. So we had Heathy Keithy, our very own science director reach out to a very seasoned medical professional. I would use the word cardiologist, but you'll hear in this next segment all of the accolades that this individual has. But he actually went out and found somebody to give him a heart monitoring device while he played PUBG and then talk about the results afterwards. So check out this little mini five-minute interview we got from our Australian legend. Hi, I'm Heathy Keithy. Have you ever been in a game of PUBG and sweat is pouring from your armpits and your brows and your hands? Your heart is racing, you're breathing unevenly, or you might not even be breathing at all. 
I never stop to think, is this game killing me? Well, I have stopped to think about it, and I got a bit worried. So I've been in the lab doing some testing with the help of an old friend who has a Bachelor of Exercise Science, a Bachelor of Biomedical Science, and is currently a third-year medical student. He has asked to remain anonymous to protect his current employment and shield himself from the awesomeness that is Heathikithi's pseudoscience. So without further ado, a disclaimer. All science experiments conducted with care, but with no official training or scientific method. Any advice given is directed toward the simple-minded or the gullible. No purchase necessary. Winner winner podcast is not responsible for items left in your car not to be taken internally. Any resemblance to persons real or imagined is purely coincidental. If rash develops, please discontinue use. So to give everyone an idea of how the data was collected, I was using a blood pressure monitor on my upper arm to capture my blood pressure and heart rate, uh, and I forced myself in-game into stressful situations, which I just did by hot-dropping the lobster building at boot camp over and over again. Now, I wasn't able to take readings while I was running around because it produced like false negatives on the monitor, uh, quite concerning ones at times. Um, so I only took the readings in the end after I died. So yeah, I managed to get myself killed plenty of times in the heat of the moment. What, what did you think of the data that I sent you? So looking at the results of the blood pressures that were taken, uh, you can see that the baselines are in a nice, normal, healthy range. So textbook blood pressure. So you can see those results are normal. In this case, we're trying to get a measure of the stress response with gaming. You can see as you're in the heat of the action, the blood pressure will elevate. So that is this sympathetic response, which in layman's terms, they usually call it fight or flight. So when you get a scare or you feel anxious or worked up, um, you get a couple things. So to be pretty basic, we're gonna go with your blood pressure elevates. So your systolic blood pressure does increase more significantly. So it can go anywhere up to you know, it can go from 120 up to 220, just like that, just from, like I said, fear, anxiety. It seems a little over the top, like I'm just sitting here in a chair, like why such a big response from my body? Is it just psychological or you know, how, how does that work from a medical point of view? You know, it goes back to our evolutionary, if you're getting chased by a lion, all of a sudden your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, your eyes dilate, you know, the blood flow goes to your muscles rather than your intestines basically getting ready to run away. With these results, you can see that you do get a spike in blood pressure and the heart rate as well. So the real question here is then how significant are these results? Like, am I killing myself? Is this bad for me? The significance of it, uh, it you know, it's, it's a problem when it's long-term elevation. So patients with high blood pressure you know, for months to years, decades, that's when they get significant changes to their heart. So what would you say could be concluded from the data? I'd say going off this, you know, the subject's got very normal blood pressure at rest and then his gaming, you can see that it has increased, but it hasn't increased much. It is still only mildly elevated. Look, this 133, 137 you know, the highest of 154. You know, it, it's higher, but it's not significant. And it is over a very short period of time. So realistically, that wouldn't have any effects on health. When it comes to blood pressure and this fight or flight response, it is 
significant when it is over a very long period of time and sustained. Like I said already, that's going to be months to years that it is actually going to have major consequences on the health. But in this short-term respect, it is just the natural response of the body to get, you know, anxious, excited, scared, and you will get that increase in blood pressure and heart rate as well. Thanks for coming on the show and having a look at my data. I know you're a busy man and uh, it's a real relief to hear that playing PUBG is no worse for me than being chased by a lion. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I thought that was super interesting to hear what happens to my heart while I'm playing. And it kind of correlates to what I thought I was admittedly when I heard he was doing this, I almost didn't want to hear the results because I thought I might be killing myself but for glad to hear that it's not not that way but it definitely does have some effects in the short term that I think we all know what happens in the top 10 when the heart gets going oh yeah hopefully you guys found that interesting but with that we have made it to the end of our podcast here any final words from you two gentlemen yeah a fixed console for the for the homies all right that's it all i got grief uh mobile greater than console <laughs> suck it jerk because <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about console whatever um hey hey hey, hey i hey. like that it exists i do i just i don't know much about it you know uh pc all the way don't don't write it off like the devs all right nah dude pc <laughs> master race i don't kevin that's why you decided pl- coming over to pc because you knew it was better okay don't act like you're above it. I just, I committed to being more of a nerd, you know? All right. That's all it is. Sometimes you got to do it. Of course. Final words from me. I uh, love the new patch. I think it's great. I think they're moving in the right direction for this game. Hell yeah. I wish it was faster, but I respect their slow approach to just getting this game in a really awesome spot. I would say if you haven't played in a while, go check it out. This new patch is great. I like just about all the changes, except for the jingle bells, which we didn't talk about. Sounds like a horse chewing glass. But with that, I wanted to thank Spiffy Man, as always, for the music. We appreciate you, sir. Griffalicious, one heart, thank you guys. Griff, tell these fine folks where they can find you. You can find me over at twitch.com slash grifflicious, as well as youtube.com slash grifflicious, and at twitter.com slash Grifflicious. It's the same everywhere. One Heart? I'm on Twitter still. You can find me at the One Heart Live, and that's it. And for me, MTB Trigger on Twitch and Twitter and Discord. As always, friends, there will be a ton of content in the show notes, links, etc. Make sure to check that out if you haven't already done so. And if you've been around a while, you probably know that we don't take ourselves very seriously. We do love PUBG. And we all agree that taking a serious look at health issues is important. While the test Heath performed was born from a top 10 PUBG meme of sorts, we think it's important to say, take care of yourselves, be mindful of your health, and most of all, be safe out there, because we kind of like you. I think I can say all of that on behalf of the entire Winter Winter team. But if I see you on the battleground, I'm probably going to light you up, and I'm definitely going to thirst you. Winter Winter, out.